everybody thanks for tuning in to another episode of adventures in angular my name is aaron frost the host uh, i work with hero devs and ngconf today on our panel we have the shy resnick shy introduce yourself oh what's up everybody i'm shy resnick from testangular.com and hires.io Coming to you live from Israel and the Angular community. It's true. All right. And we also got the one and only Mike Ryan. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Introduce yourself. My name is Mike Ryan. I'm a core team member for NGRX, a Google developer expert in Angular. And I am a software engineer working in the industrial and other things space from Huntsville, Alabama. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So today, Mike asked if he could be on the show. He really wanted to discuss something that's been bothering him a lot. He's uh, not excited that some people think my beard could beat up his beard in a fight. And uh, so he wanted to come on and talk about that. So Mike, uh, go ahead, take it away, man. So here's the problem. I cut my beard down and now it's short for the springtime and yours yeah. keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Yeah. Yep. You're supposed to also, also cut it down for the summer. Yeah, and it bothers you, right? It does. It bothers you like, very much. Stop telling everyone. So basically, we just need... Mike knows, everybody. You don't need to bring it up, okay? It's... Everyone knows. Just don't talk about it. Like, it's not polite. I, some people who don't have beards don't understand the etiquette. Don't and compare lengths of beards. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It's not about whose beard could beat up who else's beard. I think that's the point that we needed to get to, right? That's right. Because beards beards are lovers. They're not fighters. And that's a fact. I think in a world where people... here goes one image I didn't want to have in my head. Okay. And this uh, (laughs) somehow relates to the origin of NGRX, no? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's... Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's why Mike wanted... My bad. So Mike wanted to come on today... To talk about NGRX and state management in Angular and whatevs. Not lover beards or beards. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My bad. Sorry, guys, I kicked it off wrong. Um, So, Mike, what are we talking about NGRX today? What are we saying about state management in Angular? If I recall correctly, we kind of decided to get together after you and I had, let's say, a lengthy discussion about state management recently. So, I was, I thought that was friendly. I actually like walked away. I was like, I liked that Mike and I talked it through a little bit and that people watched us talk it through because 
Where was it? It was during a, a battle um, in battle. the streets. No, it wasn't a battle. We were just on Twitter. Where, oh, on Twitter. Yeah, oh, on you t- bashed someone again on Twitter, Frosty? No, no. It was friendly. I mean, I thought it was friendly. Mike? Oh, yeah. It was very friendly. All right. We just, we just stated some of our ideas, right? And on some of them, they, they were like in a line and others, they weren't in a line. And then, I, you know, I realized we've been talking a lot about some of my ideas on state management. And I was like, you know, we really need to get Mike in here to kind of talk because otherwise it's not fair. It's not, not that it's not fair. It's just, I don't want to turn into a vacuum, you know, and adventures in English should represent everybody. Right. So that was kind of where we came from. So Mike's on here to talk about NGRX and to talk about state management in general. Yeah. So that the same NGRX you said that, that is the worst idea ever for us in the last episode. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not claiming to not have ever said that, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I didn't say that in the last episode. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, Joe, can you pick? Oh, Joe is not here. Okay. So never mind. Okay. We cannot check it out now. But, yeah. So now begin, Mike. Everything is okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if you've not heard of NGRX, it's, I, I think, maybe the oldest at this point state management library for Angular. Mm-hmm. It is a reactive approach to state management, heavily influenced by Redux from the React community. And it is built using observables and provides a side effect model that is decoupled from your component layer, also built with observables. That's kind of like the 10-second elevator pitch for NGRX, which I try to squeeze as many buzzwords as possible. Yeah. Dog, you killed that. I counted, like, <laughs> that I was like a this. word cloud of buzzwords. Yeah, I counted two. It's, uh, it's Redux for Angular. That's right. It's Redux for Angular. Redux, no, it's Angular Redux. is fine. It's Redux for Angular and ArcGIS. Yeah. Yes. And, okay, so I have a few questions. Okay. Do you love observables? Do I love observables? Uh, Yes. I would say I probably have a relationship with them that is built on love. Hmm. But like all relationships, there are struggles. Yeah. Did you ever go to council? Like to... uh, to a session together. <laughs> yeah. I love observables. They're very powerful for building reactive applications. But like NGRX, since NGRX is built on top of them, they have a tremendous learning curve and there are foot guns left and right when you're trying to build an application with either observables or NGRX. What's a foot gun? Is that what you shoot yourself in the foot with? Yes. Okay. It's a, oh, I didn't know that if I did it this way, I'm now going to have memory leaks, or I'm going to have serious performance bottlenecks, or I can't maintain this code base anymore. I need to start over. Yeah. Or I just deleted my C drive. Yes. RX will do that, bro. It will. If you don't, uh, if you don't clean up your subscriptions, your C drive gets deleted every time. Yeah. I installed Windows 95 like three times this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the take operator. If you use take your, you might delete your C drive. Yeah. That's right. So, um, so no big deal. No, don't worry about it. No big deal. <laughs> so another operator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, Mike, but- obviously, obviously you love, I mean, I'm not even questioning that you love observables because NGRX provides a way to put your state into this container 
mm-hmm. that to get the, to get the state back out is just through I consider a pretty easy to understand observable interface, right? You're just kind of exposing them all through observables, right? Which is the selectors, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. It's, if for a fully reactive application, it should look like a cycle. It's kind of like a big carousel going around and around. And yeah. in Jurex lets you build an Angular application that way. It has the concept that you map events coming from your UI into actions. Actions get transformed into state, and it circles back around through selectors and gets bound to your template. Yeah, and so I, I have a I have a, a question about like the backstory a little bit of like sure okay do you work at the same company you started working when you started working on um, NGRX? Yeah. No, I started working on NGRX when I worked at a. Uh, game studio called Army Game Studio. As the name might imply, that is actually the U.S. Army's video game studio. Wow. Where they make like educational content uh, in the form of interactive media. Hmm. And one of the fun parts of working at Army Game Studio was that it was a lot of like really interactive projects, but they were usually one-off. Like you build it for this event or for this specific application. And so you never had a project that lived for more than four to five months. And so that's where our team really got the chance to like, okay, we've got a new project. Let's learn something new. And this was before Angular had entered beta. This was kind of early milestones. We started playing with Angular 2. That's what it's called at the time. And started building applications with it. And we had just come out of working uh, with Elm a little bit, some of the early versions of Elm. And we really liked the state management pattern in Elm. And so we started working on, okay, what could something like Elm's state management look like in this nascent Angular 2 framework? Hold on. That's kind of the origin. What's nascent mean? Early, young. Nascent. Just born. Thank you, Frosty. Shai, was I the only one that had that question? No, no. I have every single question you have, I have, but I'm, I'm afraid to ask. So. Uh, oh, I don't care about looking stupid. I'm good. I'm Good. Yeah, I, know, I, 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 I know you ask it uh, for me, so don't be humble. No, I'm good at looking dumb. I do. Uh, for the record, I do it on purpose, though. Like uh, I'm not really this dumb. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, I totally did that. I meant to do that. Is what I meant to say. Okay, blame it on me. Okay, so you started working on that. So you you decided, okay, let's. So you're try. building games that teach people how to kill other people. Got it. And then. Um, <laughs> So you, As, you know, so you're trying Elm. Sorry, I'm trying to put words in your mouth. Give me a second. Um, so, <laughs> so you you try Elm and you're like, not enough boilerplate. Let's try something else. Uh, what else, Brandon? That's right, Brandon. That's right. What else could we do? What something's wrong here? What else could we try? Okay, got it. I've caught everybody up. Then wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so so how did you like get, got to NGRX? So. I'm going to circle back around to some of those words that were just put in my mouth. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a podcast. I have, to, I have to create entertainment. Sorry. I, I only believed half of the words. So, yeah, I, Redux in the React community is a state management library for building Redux apps. And it's also built on some of the same underlying concepts that Elm used. And so it seemed like a really good starting point for building something like that in the Angular space. And we built something internally, and it worked out pretty well. And we were kind of eager to open source it. 
Um, and when I say we, uh, the fun part of that was that I was actually working with Brandon Roberts, who's now an Angular team member. So we were both working at Army Game Studio together and shared an office together. Hey, Rob. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Uh, Is he? I don't know. I mean, he's on the top 10 nicest people ever list, right? Like no, he's maybe in top three. Yeah. I knew he was in the top 10. I just can't remember like what record, like what level he's at. So. He's All right. number one on, the, on GIFs. On the, oh, by far. By far. Yeah. GIF? What just happened? What is, yeah. He's what the GIF king. Okay, all right. We just fixed it. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> that got weird for a second. Yeah. Shut up. Like, what? I was about to hang up. <laughs> we'll see which version of that lands in the edit. We'll, yeah, we'll do uh, a survey. I think that's going in unedited. We'll let the, we'll let the community decide what just happened. Great. <laughs> okay, yeah, so. Brandon, Brandon, the master of niceness and gifts. Uh, right. Him and I were working together. We started working on this internal project. We wanted to open source it. Um, and before we did that, we kind of looked, has the community done anything? And there's this little project tucked away by Rob Wormald, who was on the Angular team at the time and still is on the Angular team, called NGRX. And I don't think it had even hit version one yet. And it was completely different looking than sort of where it is today. But it was also building the sort of the, some of the same ideas. So Brandon and I took it as an opportunity to get involved immediately. And I think like pull request number one was like, hey, here's everything else that, here's all the rest of our ideas. Let's just kind of merge some of these ideas we're having with this project. And that kicked off in GRX from there. That's awesome. So um, he likes it when you call him Wormwald, by the way. Okay. Wormwald. Wormwald. Don't, call, don't call him Wormwald. It bugs him. Okay. Wormwald. Yeah, Wormwald. So Rob, he's basically awesome. I mean, you, you live in a world full of awesome people, I think, because you're working with Brandon and with Rob. Yeah, it's, That's it's crazy. a privilege, fun experience. That's awesome. So I'm curious as to, okay, so you had this project, which was a, um, a game, basically, right? Murderous right. game. Murderous game that kills other <laughs> games, and, <laughs> and and now you needed to. And how how big was this game? Like uh, it was the world's uh, biggest game, and you had you needed NGX, so it was like the world's biggest game, right? Troll alert! No, uh, it was not a very big app. It was just highly interactive. I'm going to say those words a lot on this podcast. It was yeah, so highly interactive. So it was it, it 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 was basically reactive. So you needed like a lot of things to happen in real time. I'm guessing, right? Yep. User events, stuff from the server, like many different changes are happening in the application quickly. You had tons of data that you needed to deal with concurrently. That's right. And we needed to be able to write tests around it. Yeah. And we needed to be able to track where those changes were coming from All right. in a way that. Monkey up the code base. I never, I never, I never really knew this story. This is cool. Um, and so it actually, it was, a lot of this was based on we were building so many Angular JS applications at the time, and we really fought against the service pattern with dependency injection in Angular JS for building these kinds of apps because, it, like, in these kinds of applications, your data is not a straightforward path from point A to point B. It's this really nasty graph of services or data. And updating any part of that graph, you need all of your you know, bound values to update. Yep. 
the out-of-the-box architecture for AngularJS wasn't working for us. And that's really how we got on this, okay, Elm to Redux to now we're building NGRX path. You just said AngularJS. Did you mean Angular or did you mean AngularJS? I'm at AngularJS. We went from AngularJS to Elm to, hey, what are they doing in Redux to let's apply this to Angular. So we're we are building NGRX as we're transitioning to early Angular 2. Angular. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like pre-NG module, pre-router, all, you know, very, very yeah. early. Angular. Wild West days. Yes. I think Wait, Rob Berman was actually working on NGRX because he had just like been converted to observables. Yeah, he used to really not like observables and he had just been converted by Jeff Cross, who was working on HTTP. Which was converted by Ben Lesh. Yeah, so you, you've got a lot of buzz around observables. There's a need to kind of rethink state for the kinds of applications that Brandon and I were working on. Rob's got a lot of energy. We've got a lot of energy. That's how the project kind of exploded, I guess. You said something important there um, about the problem which led you to to say that uh, well the ser- the services pattern is wrong for this kind of uh, th- this type of applications because you have a lot of uh, i don't know propagated changes you need to make can you give a, like a, spe- a more specific example to yeah. that problem sure yeah that that was a question i had too. i think a lot of us are like hey we know there's a time when we need to switch to ngrx right like we've all heard it and then we've heard people say, do NGRX. And then we've heard you say, you might not need NGRX. I still think there's a, gray, there's a gray area, though, around, I need it sometime. I'm still trying to figure out what's the line when I crossed it. So, yeah, I think that's a yeah. good question. So Thank I, you, Frosty. Let's take a simple video game that has a high score mechanism. And it's got different ways in the game for that score to increase or maybe decrease. And if each of those ways is represented with a service, then you have to make a decision. Does the service that's managing the high score inject all of them to watch for their changes or their events to happen? Or do each of these independent mechanical services inject the high score service to update the high score? If you're building it with a traditional like service-oriented pattern, now which direction do you declare that relationship? And so the realization to us was, if we try to model this with dependency injection, it's going to be a mess in either in either case. We're either going to end up having a service that's injecting tons of other services as this application grows, or this service becomes essentially a default thing that everyone is injecting themselves. So we really wanted to find a way to break this dependency. How can sorry, we write this application? Sorry, sorry I, I don't I, sure. I don't follow. For so you have the video game and you have a high score, and right. and that and, high score can update. Yeah, so you have. A, Usually you have components which display or do something with the data because just data isn't like worth a lot. You need right. to do something with it. So the components basically drive the the need to update, right? Like the I, I need to do something or to display something according to this change. And the components right. are basically because of change injection, they are they are running, they are re-rendering, so they inject like a like a different service, mm-hmm. which they probably call some method on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need that method to return an object, which is, I don't know, the recent, the most recent representation of the data they need, right? Correct. So, Correct. so, you, so if I'm using that model, like, okay, and, and that method is relying on 
the latest or, or the most recent version of property on a service, which is the score service, okay? Yep, the high score service. Uh, yeah, so where is the, the problem in that model where they, they are, let's say, they are changing because of change action? I know one problem is performance, okay? Yeah. Uh, when you have a lot of uh, these changes happening, uh, and you rely too much on change detection for, you know, a lot of uh, operations and, and stuff like that. But let's say you have like a small game, not a lot of components. Where is the problem? I'm trying to to yeah. imagine it or to visualize it. So the problem is, who do you assign responsibility for updating the high score? These components, when the player is doing something, those events should cause this high score to update. Should those components inject the high score service and call methods on it directly to update the high score? Or should other services that are managing these events, like let's say there's some way to you know, destroy asteroids, should some kind of asteroid service that's managing the asteroids data be calling the high score service? Or should the high score service inject the asteroid service and listen for its events directly and it encapsulates the responsibility of updating the high score. But you have this question a lot with with each every app, right? Because right. always start with the component which is like a thin layer, and then you realize, okay, I have too many logic, or some other component needs this logic, so you move it to a shared service. So mm -hmm. that, that's that's basically the question. I don't see a problem with the component injecting the score service or the high score service and manipulating it uh, if it needs to, if it needs to update it, let's say, from a form or just an event or something like that. Where is the problem in, in doing that? What, what is the, the problem there? So that's where you got to start cranking on the complexity knob a bit. Now, let's say that this is a multiplayer game and there are multiple players in a game instance that can cause this high score to go up. And let's also say you've got a leaderboard feature. You want to save a leaderboard for the service or to the back to your backend so you can actually render a leaderboard. And they can pause and save the game and load it up. So you have to have some way to rehydrate a high score. And suddenly you've got this one piece of real-time data that's changing from tons of different sources, but also needs to be shown to lots of other consumers. So there's a there's a really big dependency graph now built around just this high score service as to who's injecting it and why. And so it's not, you know, for small apps, maybe this isn't problematic, but if you're trying to maintain this code base, if you're not picking a deliberate strategy up front and sticking with it, you can really build some ugly AngularJS applications. I've built those ugly AngularJS applications. And that's what really made us rethink, okay, for these kinds of apps and this kind of data that's changing really quickly from tons of places, is there a better way to represent that data? Okay, so I'm totally with you on that, okay? So the first time I realized the need for a Redux pattern or NGRX is when I, ins <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, insanely developed a, a one-week app in one day, which was real-time, and it was for the NG game show I did in Angular Connect. And I just, like, in one day got into a psycho mode and just like wrote code for 24 hours straight. And it was so ugly. And I realized like, okay, this is getting too much 
complex uh, and I need some kind of a same pattern to track the changes and because changes could, could come from multi, multiple places. Every app could be the consumer or the producer and, and, and all that. So, so I'm totally with you on that use case because I also experienced the pain. But what I'm getting from it, or maybe, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, when I make the transition between a normal, I don't know, REST app or even, a, I don't know, a small game, okay, which is not multiplayer, to a, let's say, or a multiplayer game or a, some kind of a, of a push notification-based app where each side could be like a multiplayer, right? Each side could be the producer, the consumer, and, and all that stuff. And every change could come from everywhere. Uh, and you, you keep getting bombarded with like, notifications from the, from the server, uh, like a Firebase app or something like that. That's where a pattern like NGRX or the library shines. Yes. Okay, cool. Exactly. So why... You know, I'm, I'm trying to incorporate your, I, I saw your recent talks about you might not need NGRX. And first of all, I appreciate it uh, a lot because it's, it's a point of discussion I had with a lot of people. And I, I, I'm curious to, to get your take about it. What do you think made like this cult-like thinking about like, okay, uh, so we just reduced like the the where the this library or pattern shines to mm-hmm. a specific or specific use cases where you might need it but everywhere i go i hear oh we are doing angular with ngrx for a rest app and we are doing it for a i don't know a b c do this yeah yeah, so not really, not really in the use cases we just discussed, but everybody is picking that for, and I see that also probably with React as well, mm-hmm. but in React, I think it's the lack of change detection that drives people, drove read people uh, yeah. to read. But in Angular, yeah. we did have change detection, but I, <laughs> I feel like people started pouring on the, or pushing on the button of like performance, 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 performance too early to drive people towards that. But okay, I love to get your take on that. So, I mean, I think you kind of actually hit it on it a bit earlier in the show, which is you've got people like Brandon Roberts, who's the nicest person on earth, and Rob Wormald, who's got all this energy and excitement and loves to to talk about these things. And we're doing this really early. Wormald real early in the Angular 2 days, and we're the first state management library. So you've got really fantastic people talking about this thing. It's early in the community, and it just catches on, and it, and it grows like, like crazy. And it almost like these two go hand in hand. So you looked at it back then, and it's like, okay, I'm picking this framework, and here's Angular core team members writing code for the state management library on top of this thing called observables, which I don't fully understand yet, but maybe I need to include NGRX. And it, it just catches on, and suddenly that becomes your de facto decision in the community. Even though I don't think that's anybody's intent, it's just the atmosphere yeah. that happened. Hey, 
Are you working on a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. They update the class regularly for the most current Angular, and a lot of the curriculum is also relevant to older versions. Or you can go beyond the three-day class with help from Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. They can assist your team or launch your project, including scalability, data flow, state management, service architecture, full-stack product design, and a ton more. Or you can contact them for a private class at your location or attend public classes in cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. I, th- I think that also the name, the, it's Redux for Angular, I think that's, that's also a big catalyst that it's like, oh, well, everyone in React does this and I need this in Angular. So I think, I think that's another big catalyst of, I think Shai's alluding to the group think and the the people that are de factoing to it when it only belo- it belongs in some scenarios and a lot of people are adopting it not erroneously but in scenarios where you wait you, what, you what is the word you just said facto no afterwards in uh, what I don't I don't know sorry okay probably misheard it I thought what you is- were calling me a liar okay. Oh, sorry. I don't. I wasn't. I wasn't. Don't. I mean, I have. I have called you a liar, but I didn't just now. Oh, okay. Don't just don't throw a uh, too many big words at me. Okay. So. (laughs) I have called you a liar, though. (laughs) So you said like people uh, did it like uh, without thinking about it. Like I know how I did it the first time. Someone said we need a better way to use state management, and I went, "Oh, okay," and they went. Let's use NGX. And I went, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it isn't. And I don't know what the other options are, but I'm too busy trying to deliver my features. So if you got some cycles in the sprint, just put it in. And then um, it took me like a few months to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And then at like six months after that, I was like, that was, that was some heavy shit. Before I, <laughs> before I was like, I can see where this is helpful, but I'm in this scenario, Shy, that you're saying, which is I'm in a REST app. You know, I'm I'm doing a lot of CRUD and just fetch data and display it. And there might be some clicks on it, you know? Like I'm doing something that... And for the record, Brandon, were you building asteroids? No, we weren't <laughs> building asteroids. Come on. I think, I think the project we were building at the time was dreadfully boring. I want to say there's some like, it wasn't it's even in a game. Exterminate your mind. Yeah, it was like some back office application that had similar problems. Yeah. Were, you asteroids? Were you building like a cool government experiment? T1000. <laughs> T1000's brain. I wish I could say, yeah, nope, not, not asteroids. All right. Well, I was hoping you were going to say you built asteroids. I was going to, I was going to hope you could talk to them and open source it maybe. But I think it's a good time to tell a little bit of a fun story about the early NGRX days. Okay. Must have been, so we were doing this around 2016, 2015, 2016. And so at the 2016 NGConf, NGRX had started to pick up steam a little bit. Oh, and yeah. Brandon and I had a meeting with Mishko and Igor and some other Angular team members. And they're like, hey, where do you work? So we tell them, oh, we work at Army Game Studio. And you said it as a joke, but they were not joking. They said, wait a minute, you're using Angular to teach kids how to make bombs? 
And it was the worst way for us to kick off that relationship with Igor and Mishko. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's not a joke to them. Why did they think that you taught me want to make bombs? Like, well, we're telling you know, we're, we work for the army and we're making educational yeah. apps for kids. And, you know, if we're not being specific enough about those games are, like, you know, if you have this impression of what the army is, maybe that's what you think we're doing. And so maybe they're not far off. I mean, I, and now I'm disappointed because I thought you actually like taught children to build bombs. So what are you doing? Like why? That's why Shai wanted you on the show. Shai yeah. thought that's what you were doing. So what do you? That's the only what thing. are you doing? Yeah. So Army Game Studio made, um, they're most known for a first person shooter called America's Army that is aimed for not kids. It's more of an adult oriented game that is meant to sort of teach you like army based tactics. That's probably their most well known game. But they've also built games like that teach kids about the periodic table and that help improve like brain cognition and things that are just completely unrelated. But the periodic table, you can like, you know, learn <laughs> chemistry and build like, you know, like. Yeah, it, it could be a gateway. Walter White, Walter White style. That's some Walter White stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but they're doing, they're doing really great work over there. They're not, they're not teaching kids how to make bombs. Here, this is the bunny. He has a machine gun. Mike, Mike, okay. I never would have assumed that you were teaching kids to make bombs. Even if someone told me, Mike Ryan's teaching kids to make bombs. I would have said, I don't think so. And I would have given you the benefit of the doubt. And I wouldn't even have given another thought. What what in the world happened? That Nico and Igor, two of the nicest guys I know, Mishko's a little cynical, but they're both wicked nice. What made those two guys think you guys were teaching people to make bombs? Like, that's crazy. Forget about I don't, I don't know. Mike, but what made them think about Brandon, the nicest <laughs> person on earth? Yeah. Okay. Is he too nice? He's one of those too nice. He's too, too nice. nice. Yeah. And here's just two people from Alabama working at the army and teaching kids to make bombs. That's their impression of us. That's crazy. NGCOMS next week, man. I'm asking Igor and Mishko how that happened because that's that's his, that's just such a – I just can't – I can't even imagine how that phone call started. We, we, we invited you here today because um, are you teaching kids to make bombs with our technology? Like, that's just that's – that's outrageous. What do you guys think the most questionable app made with Angular is? Like, now that we're on the topic, if you had to speculate. Oh, like, of course. Make like there's, there's probably like some adult websites made with Angular, right? For probably sure. at least one. Yeah, yeah I made websites, definitely. Shai, Shai obviously made one. It, it was a week's, a week's worth of work and he did it in 24 hours. It was 24 awesome. hours for Angular Connect. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I mean, I don't know. I just want to say probably teaching kids to make bomb is probably, if, it, if that's real, that's probably the most questionable. But I'm guessing there's other questionable things. But if you think about it, like people who contribute to open source, I don't link them to like teach people <laughs> <laughs> to create bombs. I don't know. It doesn't go maybe there's some weird Google website or maybe there was a, a misguided tweet that went out or something. Maybe. Mm, maybe. Okay, so... We got we got about ten minutes left, so let's uh, let's let's get into the meat a little bit. Let's oh, ask. Like, this was just the exposition. 
No, no, yeah. no. This is all exposition. We haven't even yeah. gotten to the good stuff. Okay, okay. So, so, so let's wrap it up. Okay. So you no, 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 no. children to make bombs, and now let's get back to... to yeah. <laughs> so what, what I want to know is what's the future of bomb making for children? No, um, <laughs> what's the... Was it? Sorry, we've we've made that joke. The this is actually probably gonna go over horribly with the listeners, and I apologize for that. But what's the future for the state? The future for state management Angular, and in general, but also what's the future for NGRX? Like, what's what are the futures for those two things? You think look like? Yeah. So I'll start with NGRX first. We've just recently released the first beta for NGRX eight, and. Hmm. What's exciting about NGRX8 is as TypeScript improves, our ability to make NGRX apps with less code improves. Mm. So, um, you know, NGRX is, often gets that boilerplate criticism. That it yeah, I was going to say, what do you code. mean? There's all, it almost requires no code already. How is, <laughs> how is that getting better? Boilerplate? There's, there's what a is tremendous that? code size. But a lot of it, like if you go compare an NGRX app to a Redux application, NGRX is like the NGRX piece of it's twice as big as the Redux version, and a big part of that is that it's it's hard to actually type an NGRX application. Make it the type safety, yeah, yeah, and it's it's very important that we make it type safety because we are aiming NGRX for big applications or for big enterprise stuff. Yeah, so that's where all the boilerplate really like not all of it, but a good part of it is because hey, we want to make this type safe. So you're but, blaming the TypeScript team, okay? I'm blaming them a little bit, but also. No, I'm just kidding. So as TypeScript gets better and NGRX gets better, it's kind of it's kind of what yeah. I'm hearing. And so you think the future yeah. of TypeScript, or sorry, the future of NGRX has better typing with less code, is what I'm hearing you say. Okay. So NGRX eight includes two new functions. Uh, the first is called create action, and the second is create reducer. Mm. And they take maybe in the past you've written like enum files and lots of class declarations and. Union types for your NGRX actions. Every everyone has heard you say that. Everyone threw up in unison. Yeah, we've all done <laughs> those things. Yeah. So all of that's almost gone now. Like if you twitch to the new create action helper at NGRX eight, your action files are going to get cut in half. And that's not a joke. Really? Really going to get that much smaller? That's awesome. Create reducer. The switch statement's gone. Uh, we've got a much tighter API that doesn't re- rely on union types anymore. It uses mm-hmm. or leverages to create action work. Can I still do the reducer the old way with the switch statement? Or yeah. like, yeah. I, okay, so that's bit of sugar. okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. Okay, Both cool. Both just a little bit of TypeScript sugar on the way you used to do things, and your ty- your reducer files are probably to get cut down by a third. So that's but a only lot. optionally, I don't have to do those things. That's it's like optional, right? Totally optional. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's good. So we're really excited about that. That means that. Cool. Some of the biggest places of boilerplate in an NGRX application, we've really addressed them uh, with the most recent NGRX release. And we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep finding ways to remove or reduce the amount of code you write, but not change how NGRX works. Because NGRX awesome. does work for high-performance applications, and it is type-safe. Yeah. And we yeah. don't want to compromise on those qualities to, to reduce the boilerplate problem. So those are some of the upcoming NGRX things that I'm really excited about. What about like nine? What are you guys planning for your nine uh, your nine release? I don't know. This is usually we like we alternate. We will have a release that's got tons of new features in it, and then the next one's kind of like bug fixes. That bourgeois. Because NGRX eight also 
is the version of NGRX where we're shipping Ward Bell and John Papa's project NGRX data. Oh, data it's yeah. finally been officially merged into NGRX. Does it have Ooh. documentation? It's got the beginnings of documentation. <laughs> That's why <laughs> I, I don't use like it. At least three or four pages of documentation for it now, which is a That's great cool. first start. And we've a lot of that's been community contributed. So we're going to grow the documentation for NGRX data. That's awesome. So um, what do you see for, um, for uh, the future of state management in general? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good question. So we hit on this a couple of times, but NGRX only makes sense for these like highly data-changing applications or maybe enterprise applications. Hold on. That's what I say. Are you saying what I said just because I'm here? Because you said it only makes sense. Like, I think I, it only makes sense for those kinds of applications. It only makes uh, sense for a high rate of data change or for really big enterprise applications. Wait, why? why? But, but I have a serious question here. Okay, let's say I have a REST app and it's an enterprise level app, like a large, large scale app. It's big app, tons of code, tons of files. Yeah, but it's yep. still just lots of crud. Lots of crud, but not real time, not multiplayer, not all that stuff. Do I still need NGRX for that and why? Might not need NGRX still for that kind of application, but I think NGRX is a more valid choice for that kind of app because a side effect of the way NGRX is built is it really decouples responsibilities into really small pieces of code. And so if you're working on in a team environment, there's actually can be a bit of a productivity unlock, even though it's more code overall, because these pieces are decoupled, you can assign them to different developers and build them in parallel. I see. So exactly. if I have if I have already like a pattern that works for me that decouples like you know the data from the components and all that stuff, I might not need it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. But if you do need that kind of pattern, it's missing, and you're going to be working in a, like a large team environment. Then I think NGRX is a viable choice in that yeah. environment. It's well documented. It's well supported. Yeah. You can get training on it, right? You can find people right. that already know it. So, yeah, all those okay, reasons. So you, start, so you start saying about the use cases. Okay, so you might not need that. Okay, and what do you think about... Okay, so if not NGRX, what, What's what the, trends what? do you see? What other libraries? What I don't know. Just your insights about the future of a statement. My take on it is that I think at some point, and I think it's going to happen pretty relatively soon, is the Angular have put some kind of guidance here. I think Angular is one of the few frameworks that doesn't have a concept of state management as a first-class citizen. And that's, that's hurting developers because in that gap between, okay, I don't need NGRX, but what do I use? You've got so many options now. You've got NGXS, you have Akita, you have a behavior subject with a service. These are all really great and viable options. And I don't think any of them are going to be a bad pick necessarily. But Angular to me is not the framework where you've got to make these kinds of big decisions up front. Angular, to me, is a batteries-included framework. And so I, I think the future of Angular state management is that the Angular team is going to have to say, for these kinds of applications that don't need NGRX, here's a built-in, first-class way to handle state. Do you know that, or you are guessing? That like, sounds like some insider leak info right there. Exactly. It's not insider leak. It, you know, it's, it gets discussed. It gets thrown around. I, you're at one of the conferences with Angular team members. You can ask them about it, and they'll, I'm sure they'll Oof. tell you stories of other design you heard, documents. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, on Adventures in Angular. Hot so, on the scoop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mike, to be very clear, I have no insight, and I am not leaking anything. 
But that's yeah, my guess. My take on it. We'll edit it out. The part you said yeah. you're not leaking. Yeah. The, <laughs> the part where you said you are leaking, we edited it out. Yeah. Just we removed the no. All that's all. Yeah. All that's left is the part where you said you're not. So we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Oh, awesome. I, I, I totally agree. I think that uh, this is like a pain point and I totally agree about like the, like saying to people, hey, Angular is like the complete framework. You get everything and you don't need to like, you know, uh, run around yeah. and pick and choose and all that stuff. That's like the one missing, missing thing yeah. in management. And I think totally. it's super hard to nail down. I think this I, is why. Also, React didn't commit to it. The only one who committed to it was... You. You. I hadn't really thought about this, Mike. Angular is like, a, you know, of the 10 things you need to build a web app, it gives you the most of yeah. those 10 things. And I hadn't really thought about, you know, this is like one of those really big things that it still got you out in the dark on. Like, mm -hmm. it's as fundamental as if they didn't give us a router. Like any framework, that, any <laughs> any serious JavaScript thing that's like, hey, we're not giving you a router, you're insane. But yeah, like it's pivotal, like to not prescribe at least a rudimentary state management, which they're not. Absolutely. You but know? I, I think that they took a decision, a brave decision to take RxJS into almost everything, right, in the uh, infrastructure. And I think that in some way limited you know, something that is more built in, like in view, there is reactivity without the need to unsubscribe and all that stuff. Right, right. right. So, but, but it was too late to maybe do that thing until Ivy. That's why I said in the last episode, I think with Ivy and the, uh, the, the ability to render a component on its own without like doing like configuration with like on push and all that stuff, I think it opens the door to maybe a, a built-in solution for reactivity without the six hours of RxJS. And when you need them, you might add them and, and just switch to that. But, but you don't have to have them. Yeah, that's, that's my prediction, but I'm, I'm hoping so, that's the way. <laughs> so last question. So Ivy is going to fix everything that's ever been wrong with anything related to Angular ever. That's and right. all new features in Angular can't be released until I was released. Everyone, that's just the fact. I didn't make that up. That's just how it is. You're right. So where's the question? So what does Ivy fix for Angelix? Anything or like? Yeah. It fixes a ton. It does? Yeah. Uh, what does it make you, but what does it make easier? So I Brendan's GIFs or GIFs would be much nicer. Better GIFs. Okay. What else? Ivy unlocks the ability for developers to make higher order components, which is a fancy way of saying I can kind of do some meta programming with Angular's change detection now. And if you've built a React and Redux application, they have things like, they have functions like map state to props, which is a way of saying, okay, I've got this vanilla React component and it receives some data. I'm going to declare separately how state from Redux flows into that component. Ivy unlocks the ability for NGRX to build something similar, where you can write a regular component with inputs and outputs and maybe bind and say, hey, if no one provided inputs to this component, here's how you read them from the store, or here's how you read them from state. And so that's going to be a really exciting 
for the NGRX team because we're going to build, get to build all sorts of new APIs for how you might consume state from the NGRX store that hopefully is lighter weight and feels more like an Angular experience than maybe NGRX does today. And then um, when are you guys releasing NGRX hooks? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not happening until Angular has hooks. But hooks so, are coming with IV2, right? IV2.0? Yeah. yeah, has hooks. That's awesome. IV2.0 with hooks. That's beautiful. All right. So, okay, Mike, um, if people have questions for you or they want to reach out to you online, what's the best way to reach out and ask you questions or just to get in touch with you? And a follow-up question, where do you work right now? Because we talked about your last job. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Good question. So now I am a software engineer at an industrial Internet of Things company called Synapse. And we're doing like uh, industrial deployments of IoT devices for sensing information in like American manufacturing facilities with the idea that we can improve the efficiency of these facilities and the way they consume data or in their process. And it's an awesome job because it being these real-time sensing devices, I'm building Angular apps that's consuming tons of real-time information. So it's another perfect use case for NGRX, yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's a great playground to keep building NGRX apps and to learn what it's like to build and maintain NGRX apps for years. So it's a, it's a good match. Cool. How can people reach you? So if you want to reach out and ask me a question, I'm on GitHub, Medium, and Twitter at MikeRyanDev. Feel free to tweet at me on Twitter if you have any specific questions or jump onto the NGRX platform uh, repo, open up an issue. We'll be glad to help you out. How and do then, you uh, find the time? Yeah. Both do the job and maintain an open source project like that. I'm very fortunate that my employer sponsors some amount of my time to be spent on open source and conference talks. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. Well, I uh, appreciate all the work that you do all the teaching that you do and educating to help people, you know, understand state management, understand children to build bombs. Thank you. Understanding reactivity, right. Understanding how to be a reactive programmer. That's a, that's a huge thing that I think is missing. And I think that you, Brandon, other people in the community are doing great right now at helping Angular developers cross that, that chasm of, of understanding. So thank you. I agree. Thank you for having me on. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com angular. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. Okay, so let's move on to picks. Uh, I'm going to let Shy go on picks first. I'm trying to remember my pick. I had a good pick. Go ahead, Shy. Okay. So uh, my pick, uh, I have two talks from an Israeli conference called You Gotta Love Frontend, YGLF, 
which uh, hosted uh, it's a it's an international conference. Uh, they hosted Michel Vestrate, the creator of Mobix, and he gave a talk mm. about modern React and the case for reactive state management. I love to see every one of his talks because he talks a lot about the theory and the higher level concepts and stuff you could take and maybe incorporate into your Angular app. So this is one talk. And another talk is from Rich Harris. It's called Rethinking Reactivity. So two talks that are related to this, <laughs> to today's topic. I will put the links to them in the show notes. Shai stole my pick. I was also going to pick Rich Harris's talk on Rethinking Reactivity. Oh, nice. From the same conference or did it... Same from conference. YGLF? Mm-hmm. Nice. LF front end. He talked about Svelte 3.0, which is a, another web framework. And they're doing some really exciting work on bringing reactivity natively to the applications you write without observables or any API involved. So it's a really exciting That's project. That's cool. I saw today that Svelte actually, Ben Lesh tweeted, Svelte may be the framework that most tightly embraces RxJS though. So it sounds like Svelte's also embracing the RxJS pipeline thinking as well. So sounds like Svelte's pretty cool. All right, Shai, any more picks? Are those are your two picks? No, I, and I pick, I pick this, but you cannot see it in the... Donuts, you pick donuts. <laughs> donuts, yeah. Yeah, good. I'm going to go with my picks. First pick is Biscoff cookies. Yeah, uh, next time you're on a flight, get get the Biscoff. They're good. It's good. It's good. Good stuff, right, Mike? Absolutely. Next pick is uh, I'm gonna pick a series of conferences I'm going to this year. So here they go. Uh, I'm gonna pick NG Vikings. I'm gonna pick Angular Up. I'm gonna pick Angular Bolivia. I'm gonna pick NG Denver. Angular Connect. RxJS Live. And uh, those are the conferences that I will be picking. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming out in the Angular community in the next few months. And, and RxJS Live and all RxJS conference, I think that'll be a lot of fun too. So those are my don't picks. Do you have a baby, Frosty? A baby? I don't know, like a small child. A human? A human? Yeah. His name is Finn. He's one. He just turned one. Finn Svelte? Frost. Svelte? Finn. Ah, ah, Finn. Okay. Finn Frost. Finn. So yeah. How do you have the time to travel so um, to so many conferences? I just I just started Hero Devs and uh, Hero Devs is growing faster than I ever thought it would. And so I'm just trying to get out there and keep the name out in front of people. It's it's a top notch Angular consulting. We we just kind of we hire GDEs, Shai Resnick, Mike Ryan level people. That's kind of all we hire and we source to companies that need that expert level um, annular consulting. So that's what Hero Devs is. And so I'm just trying to build that and getting out in front of people, giving talks and stuff is kind of the way that it's one of the ways to help keep us in front of people and build the name of Hero Devs. So I'm happy you're coming to Israel to Angular Up. So I'm oh, also NGConf next week. We're a sponsor at NGConf, and uh, we'll be there with all of our with all of our Hero Dev soccer jerseys on. So oh, I'll miss yeah. you so much. Oh, have, have tons of fun in NG. I'll save a jersey, a soccer jersey. I'll bring it to you when I come over. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, man. All right, Mike. Uh, any picks? Oh, he sold my pick. I picked Svelte oh, three All right, deal with it, Shy. <laughs> That's my pick now. He took your pick. It's his now. 
Damn it. You guys could have beer fought and see who won, but Mike wins you in the beer fight. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Now I I imagine your beards again, loving each other. Anyway, okay. (laughs) All right. Okay, everybody, thanks for coming. Uh, We'll catch you next week at uh, the NGConf special edition of Adventures in Angular. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace. Bye. Thank you, Mike and Angular. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.